Hello. Uh, so today we're going to, oh, my camera went. Today we're going to talk about drugs. And I think, I mean, I think it makes sense to talk about that early on because it's one of the main things that people know about libertarianism is that we legalize all drugs. Yeah, and baby. What a what an anarchist, uh, you know, horrible world. Everyone will be snorting heroin and shooting cocaine yes. in the street. We want um, everyone high. And um, yeah, so it's interesting. So I used to be a very heavy weed user, and I've tried mm. a couple other recreational drugs, and I always thought it was perfectly fine, right? Like, right. Um, and but the more I've become libertarian, the more I've also become morally opposed to drug use. So like right. I wouldn't, I don't use drugs anymore and I, I don't think people should use drugs, but I also mm -hmm. think they should absolutely have the right to make that mistake if they so choose, right. right? And so those two changes have gone almost exactly in parallel within me um, as my values have evolved. And so I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you're growing up there, young David, right? <laughs> like you you are taking on more responsibility and realizing that requires a clear head. And, and you're also part of that responsibility is I don't point guns at other people who are making mistakes and uh, yeah. choosing their own path. Right. Uh, so uh, congratulations. On, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, on, on that. Yeah, no, it, you, you, I, I'm right in line with you, you know, generally, again, it, it comes down to self ownership. So I either own my body or I don't, I either can, put what I want in my body or I can't, right? And, and so drug prohibition is just ridiculous on the face of it to a libertarian who says, if I wanna put poison in these veins, I'll put poison in these veins. It's none of your business, right? Yeah. Now, you know, all the counter arguments are, are, well, you're gonna go out and do something crazy and hurt someone. Okay, well, we think that hurting people and doing crazy things like that ought to be illegal and prohibited and you can use force against that. Um, uh, okay, well, if you make all these bad choices and end up an addict, I'm going to have to support you through welfare or, or pay your health care bills. Okay, well, you shouldn't have to support me through welfare. That's wrong. I'll agree with you. And yeah, you shouldn't yeah. have to pay my health care bills. Again, I agree with you. So let's get rid of those things rather than prohibit what I can and can't put into my body. And progressives sometimes take this to the next level where they say we ought to burn, ban sugary drinks or, or meat or this or that. No, no, don't ban the things. Just make people personally accountable and responsible for dealing with the consequences of their decisions. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's it. And, and so, you know, it's a moral argument. But, you know, if I'm talking to a conservative or a liberal, I'm, I'm talking about these issues differently, right? So yeah. uh, conservatives are generally see the world in terms of order versus chaos or, or uh, law versus uh, criminality or something like that. And uh, if it's you know, immoral, it should be illegal. Right, right. And well, and um, liberals tend to view the world in terms of oppressors versus the oppressed. Right. And so it's kind of easy to make the case to to the left in, in saying, look at these marginalized people are being oppressed by the state. You know, the very types of things that led to their addiction to begin with, the, the marginalization and abuse by the in their family life is being perpetuated by the state, by these oppressors. And so that ought to end. OK, that's but the conservatives aren't necessarily moved by that argument because they look at the world through a different lens. Um, so you have to bring up the fact that, OK, the, the drug war is increased criminality, increased murder, increased crime, increased all these things. So we have a more 
orderly and, and law-abiding and peaceful society uh, when we end prohibition, right? And we can see this uh, clearly, uh, you know, so Portugal, for example, decriminalized all the drugs um, over a decade ago and their, their uh, addiction rate actually fell by 50% and their crime rate, their uh, petty theft and assault and stuff fell by something like 50% as well um, during the same time because these addicts were now, they weren't stigmatized. They weren't uh, pushed into back alleys and into parks and left to rely on stealing to support their habits and all these kinds of things. They were connected to jobs. And it turns out that when they got jobs and they started feeling better about themselves and taking on responsibility, David, um, that, that their, uh, that their desire to use, uh, went away. And so, so that's the thing, a libertarian society, because you have to take on responsibility and take control of your own life um, and, and bear the ultimate accountability for it. You don't have that state um, nurturing your dependency. Um, well, you, you tend to make better decisions, even though it's, it's legal for you to make very shitty decisions. Yeah. So, so and that's the thing. It's so interesting to me that like all of the data points to legalization or at least decriminalization being mm-hmm. far better Right. And it's still something that a lot of the young progressives that I know are in favor of. But there's the progressive party still aren't fighting for. They're not pushing it because it's still scary to the older generations, I think. Um, But then it's also just logically right. Like it it saves money. Right. You know, it's cheaper to not lock in prisons that we pay for their entire existence. People who used (laughs) drugs once or twice. Yes. Um, and and from a from a health point of view, it's also just better to have them have access to you know other services. And you know, additionally, the the entire crime syndicate that's built around illegal things dissipates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've had like this half half-assed thing with weed in in Ontario at least. So um, people are still buying drugs illegally because it's cheaper. But when you just have a free market and, and people can buy it legally and go go walk into a store and, and purchase it, then why why are they going to support the, the dude who's also selling, you know, whatever else? Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. People need to access to markets. Right. And this is, um, you know, there's some contention in libertarian circles about do we use the term legalize or decriminalize? Right. Legalize. I, I like legalize. Yeah. You know, decriminalize. Um, says and, and I think the hesitancy to use legalize is that it it it's a strategic move or whatever because it says okay we don't want people to go get fentanyl at the corner store or something like that we want a regulated market or something um, yeah. as if the market doesn't regulate itself uh, you know or, or that people are concerned about those things or there aren't organizations mm-hmm. that watchdog these things but but decriminalize just means generally that you don't you don't punish users but it doesn't yeah. give users access to a market, right? right? Like like dealing drugs is still illegal. Like you, if you want to deal drugs, you have to go to a back alley and be a shady person, right? I can't open up a, a store that um, that deals them, right? And so, so I see this, for example, in my profession, you know, I deal with um, a lot of fentanyl overdoses, and the majority of these people are are not even addicts; they're they're recreational users who want to snort an oxy 80 right and so they get a pill that looks like an oxy 80 they crush it up and snort it turns out to be fentanyl and and 
So they'll snort the pill and because of it's manufactured in, in not great conditions and one pill might not give them any kind of high and the other one might kill them, right? Because fentanyl is so, so potent. Um, yeah. And, and so the, the reason they're getting these oxy 80s is because it, it, they used to have easier access to safe opiates. Um, and oxy 80 is generally a, a fairly safe opiate to crush and snort if you're looking to get a safe opiate high. Um, and you used to be able to just go to the doctor and say, listen, I got back pain. I need a Percocet or an Oxy-80 or something like that to deal with this. And a doctor would be like, well, I, I, I guess I believe you. And here's your prescription, yeah. right? Because what's a doctor going to do? I mean, um, you know, you, you can't falsify or, or falsify whether the, pa the patient's experience, I guess, right? Yeah. So, but then, then they started cracking down on, because of the high rate of opiate prescription and they said oh opiates it's an epidemic they cracked down on physicians prescribing and threatened to pull licenses of physicians that over prescribed at the same time they went to, to pharmaceutical companies and said you have to make these pills crush proof because people are crushing them up and snorting them so now we have crush proof pills at the same time we have doctors limiting um, the or, or the state limiting how many opiates can go out and so now people who want their oxy 80s gotta go to uh, a backyard dealer and get their oxy 80 which turns out to be fentanyl um and so you know again it's not enough to decriminalize these people need a marketplace they need to be able to get a safe opiate because there's no addict very few people want to use fentanyl uh recreationally right the only reason fentanyl is in the market is because it's easy to smuggle in because it only takes a small quantity to get someone high. So it can be smuggled in, in envelopes or all sorts of things. Um, and, and that's the only alternative people have now, right? So that they would in a marketplace, no one would choose fentanyl. So fentanyl would be a product that is being sold, right? Mm -hmm. I use fentanyl on the job. Like I actually administer it as a paramedic. It's a great, great drug. And it's, it's now because it's demonized, Anytime I give it to a patient, um, they are, they're like, whoa, no, don't give me any of that, right? I'll, I'll deal with this debilitating pain rather than get that scary drug that I've heard about in the news. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the, the reason it's a great drug in emergency services is because it's very potent and very short acting. So if someone's got a busted leg and I need to get them off the ground and it's going to be very, very painful, I give them a shot of fentanyl and it, deal, it helps them deal with the pain and then they... I can get them off the ground and, and, uh, and it's not going to stay in their system for a long time. So yeah. they're coherent. So, so it's a good drug for certain uses, but it's not a great drug to use recreationally because it's so potent because it's, uh, uh, so short acting as well. You know, people who want to get high, I want to do it for more than seven or eight minutes and they yeah. don't want to die. Right. So, so because yeah. they're not, they don't have access to a market, uh, a legal market in, in opiates, they, they have to go to this black market and we see, the, the problem with that, you know, thousands of fentanyl uh, people dead. And a lot of these people are not like, you know, I, they're not the stigmatized people that you think of, like the people who have hopeless, like useless lives or something that you might think, oh, well, good riddance, social Darwinism at work. A lot of these people are people that are just, they went to a party, they heard, oh, Oxy 80s are, will give you a cool buzz or whatever. Okay, not a great decision, but you shouldn't have to die for that, right? These are people yeah. that have good jobs that are otherwise well-functioning people contributing to society, and they're dead now because um, because of the black market that is created by prohibition. Yeah, and I think it's so clear that 
it just muddies everything, right? Like, it, you know, it's hard to know what you're getting because you're not going into a store and there's not organizations regulating it and telling you what's what, right? I can be very, I can know now, you know, uh, what's the THC level of the weed I'm buying, right? Uh, you know, right. am I going to trip out and, and think I'm falling off a building or am I just going to like be a, a loaf on my couch? I don't think either of those are good decisions personally, but at least I should be able to make an informed decision of, of what I want to do. But I think there's two things that are important um, to talk about. One is the added benefits around legalizing drugs like uh, for research purposes and stuff, right? Like, right. you know, they're starting to to investigate um, using LSD and some other drugs to treat depression and things and like microdoses and things like that. And so when you, uh, you know, you said that fentanyl is so stigmatized that people don't even want you to use it for its medical purposes, right? Most of these uh, have, will have some medicinal value, right? Um, morphine right. is great for when you're in a lot of pain. Um, and things like that. So it's so important to destigmatize it and also allow, you know, researchers to get funding to privately fund and, and figure out how we use these for human benefit, not just to get high off my face. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think uh, to Trump's credit, he is trying to enact um, right to try legislation, right, which is which says that, you know, if I have a terminal disease, I ought to be able to have the right to try uh, new experimental treatments and drugs. Um, and, and of course you should. I mean, the, the fact that that's prohibited uh, is, I mean, it's, it's a death sentence. These people are going to die. Let them try something new. And, and mm -hmm. whatever happens in their case, they were going to die anyways. And, and we're going to learn something uh, from them trying to save their life. And, and if it works, good God, well, think of all the more lives we can save because of that right but, but this mm. idea of prohibitionism that the state ought to be able to control what we can and can't put into our own body and sell to people uh it, it it's killing us it, and it, yeah. i mean it puts puts me and my colleagues at risk because we we have to go into these hotel rooms where there's powder and i've had to been de decontaminated a few times from exposure to to uh fentanyl uh i, I had a colleague who was put in icu because of exposure I mean, these prohibitionists think that they're, they're again, they're, they're just able to point guns from their armchair uh, across the country and that it doesn't have repercussions that are real world uh, that are dangerous and harmful to the rest of us. It's, it's yeah. terrible. And I think another important thing to note is like so many people think, oh, well, when you legalize it, then everyone's going to start using, right? The right. only reason people aren't snorting cocaine and shooting heroin is because it's illegal. And right. so you do see like there was a with not with young people, but with like middle aged people, there was a spike in marijuana use um, when it became legal. But that also could just be one reporting people, you know, 50 year olds were less a lot less likely to openly admit they smoked weed than my 25 year old friends. Um, right. But even still, I think it's also about um, society just educating themselves. Right. They want to test it because, uh, you know, they, they don't have anyone who's used it and, and that kind of thing. So I think even if I don't think everyone will start using these drugs, but even if there is a small spike, I think it will just kind of like be society kind of testing it for itself. And then we can educate future generations based on experience rather than just the state has said this is a bad thing forever. Right. So absolutely. I think long term, it's still beneficial. And I mean, you why is alcohol fine, right? Like, right. 
alcohol has much, um, you know, people get drunk and how many drunk drivers are there? There's so many reasons to prohibit alcohol in the same mindset as any sure. as any of these other drugs. Um, yeah. Well, and alcohol is one, one of the only drugs that you can you can die from um, from stopping using. Right. Like, yeah, it's uh, everyone talks about the opiate, how painful it is to come off opiates while coming off alcohol is even worse. You can actually die mm -hmm. from it, right? Yeah. So, so alcohol is is dangerous. Is a dangerous drug. But yet we can use it safely. That's the thing. We can mm -hmm. use alcohol safely, and we can use it responsibly. We've learned to do that uh, because, because we've educated. Yeah, yeah, because we've legalized and, and, it and you know, we've educated I, ourselves. The, this idea about everyone using, if we legalize it, I, I remember Ron Paul at a presidential debate. Someone said, "Well, well you want to legalize heroin, right?" that's crazy. And Ron's like, well, why is it crazy? And they're like, well, because everyone's going to start using it or something. And he asked the audience, he says, raise your hand if you're going to start using heroin, if it's le if it was legal tomorrow and no one raised their hand. He yeah, like, exactly. Imagine that. And, and, you know, and again, the people you're, who want to try these things can, it's not like it's hard to access, right? Right. Even it. weed, right. I, when I was in grade seven, the cop came in, you know, weed's going to kill you, all this stuff. Scary, scary. Right. I lived in like little suburban utopia. And at grade nine, you could just buy weed. It was very easy. It was easier for me to buy weed than anyone else I knew because at high school, there was just weed dealers. Right. And and that's in, you know, the little little suburban utopia that they're trying to make. And 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 the cops being scary. Oh, how bad it is. Right. Like, it, well, and, you and can access what you want to access. And let's look at your life as an example of what might happen in a libertarian society, right? So here we have more people taking on personal responsibility and being accountable for the decisions they make. And what happened to you? Well, you stopped using substances altogether because you realized it interfered with how you want to show up in the world now that you are taking on all this responsibility for yourself. So let's imagine tighter families with less abuse, more connected to their kids, more connected to their community, um, and people taking responsibility and more responsibility and doing it at an early age. And think about how rampant drugs are going to be in that society. Not very mm -hmm. rampant at all. You know, I was reading my great-grandfather's memoirs. He, um, he, he fled Stalinist Russia, but he talks about the rise of communism in that country and how it uh, depressed everyone and how um, lack of control over their own life and, and being subservient and all this kind of thing. The, he said the lineups at the liquor store got long, longer and longer as people, mm -hmm. as he described it, anise themselves from the pain of their existence. Yeah. And so we That's use exactly substances. We use substances to anesthetize ourselves from some kind of psychological pain. It's almost always used as self-medication, right? I yeah. even think about my own social drinking. Um, it's it's me medicating myself a little, little bit because. I, I, otherwise, I have a bit of anxiety or I don't, I'm not very good at small talk. You know, yeah. I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm using it as a crutch. And, and if I, yeah. the, the more I become comfortable engaging in small talk and being in, in social situations, the less I'm likely to use alcohol, right? Yeah. But prohibiting alcohol isn't going to take away that underlying, that root problem uh, yeah. I have. And it, it's the same I with every addiction. I have that exact abuse. conversation with friends now because, you know, I have a, a friend group that's very much sees the benefits of weed and psychoactive drugs for expanding their consciousness and this sure. kind of stuff. Um, whereas I'm much more in a pure meditative mindfulness track. And, you know, anything your brain can do, 
by a substance your brain can do if you dedicate the time and effort to it as well right, right. and and they think that there's some you know overall benefit to it and i don't think there's any i don't think they should be prevented from making those mistakes either right but it is escapism right they're not happy with the situation they wish yep. they were in some state that they're not in um you know whether short term or long term so they're using a substance to to um help right and uh, i think that's always the case and and you know i used to think the stereotype of you know the the 40 year old father coming home having a glass of whiskey take the edge off the day that was like just a fine stereotype but i think think that's super harmful right like why right. do they need to take the edge off their day every day how are they not happy with their life okay. to just be able to sit and enjoy that and, and so you're seeing that expanding into weed now that i know so many people who think it's fine to smoke you know smoke weed every day even just like a couple tokes and that kind of thing but it's it's just them coping with their life right one of my friends yeah. um messaged me that he stopped smoking he was a heavier user than i was and he hasn't smoked weed in like six weeks or something and he's like he can't he's messaged me he can't believe how much of his life he spent high and it's right. like it, it's actually absurd but when you're you know I was a pretty smart guy in a university where I didn't have much responsibility other than passing courses. So why not smoke weed most days? I have, I have like, I was just killing time. I was waiting to get my degree. And, and, and that's really what life feels like for a lot of young people, I feel, is they're just waiting for life to happen. Um, they're not taking their own responsibility. Um, so I think yep. it's like, like a lot of the other things, right? There's the, the, the explicit solutions, but we really have to look at the, the societal values that were were that are leading to these you know the 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 risk that we think everyone's so miserable that they're going to start smoking weed and snorting cocaine or whatever yeah and you know and, and it doesn't help that there's so much mythology around drugs right like it used to be you know that that marijuana would make you lose your brain and you go crazy and that's obviously mm -hmm. ridiculous so yeah. then now there's this pushback that that cannabis cures cancer and all this other stuff it's like these narratives <laughs> feed ri equally ridiculous narratives on the other end of the spectrum and yeah. you know one of one of these myths is the idea that drugs are inherently uh addictive or something like that right and so if you legalize you're going to end up with all these addicts and what we know from addiction research is that while, yes, uh, some drugs, you know, particularly opiates, create physical dependency if you use them for a while, mm. such that withdrawal from these drugs hurts. It's saying alcohol is the same way. Yeah. Um, you, you know, most of us can try uh, any drug and never get addicted to it, right? We, we don't have that drive. So addiction is caused um, primarily it's by escapism, adverse child, yeah. it, it's adverse childhood experiences. Um, you know, the, there's uh, Dr. Vincent Folletti, um, Gabor Matei, all these, you know, I, I would encourage you to, to your audience to, to Google these names and look at the research. Uh, it's childhood environment, childhood experiences that create this. Um, and, and so, for example, Gabor Matei says that he's never met a hardcore heroin addict who hasn't had severe maternal attachment issues. They, they all, almost always come from suffer severe uh, abuse at the hands of their mother either and and so it's no coincidence and when you look at an fmri scan a brain scan of an addict who's taken a hit of heroin it, it lights up in the exact same pattern as an 
infant that locks eyes with its mother in that maternal gaze. That loving connection it gets with its mother is the same thing that the addict gets when they put heroin in their, in their veins. So for the first time in their life, they're experiencing a mother's love and they chase that and they need that and they want that. And, and, and so the way we approach them is to then cut them off from society, marginalize them, put them in back alleys, make their lives miserable, put them in jail, do all the things, you know, that led to the, that addiction in the first place. And, and we don't consider the fact that, hey, maybe this is actually medicine for them in some weird warped way. And yeah, there's a better way of dealing with this. But right now, that might be the only thing actually getting them through their day, like take, preventing them from taking their own life or something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to give people freedom to figure these things out on their own and and marginalizing them and putting them in the, in the shadows doesn't get them the connection they need because ultimately addiction is a problem of connection uh not of substance right yeah absolutely and so you know libertarians say legalize it right and again taking the gun out of the off the table and saying put down your gun doesn't solve the problem it's just the necessary first step to let individuals get to work and do what they ought to do